It's Thursday, July 22nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me from the financial capital of the United States of America, Maria Gallagher. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And I'm not looking for extra credit that I said the correct date at the start of this show. That should be table stakes. But I, I, as a couple of people nicely pointed out on Twitter yesterday, I opened the show by saying that it was Wednesday, July 28th. No, it was not a show we recorded in the future. Part of my brain is just still on vacation. Today, however, we have a restaurant stock hitting a new high, an airline stock that's losing a little bit of altitude, but we're going to start with comfortable footwear. Crocs put up record revenue of $640 million in the second quarter. They also raised revenue guidance for the full fiscal year. Shares of Crocs up 7%, hitting a new all-time high. This for anyone who thought, oh, this is just a pandemic story, it's like, no, it looks like it's going to continue for a while. Well, I don't know if you own Crocs. I don't own Crocs, but I know a lot of people I work with. Uh, John Rotanti is a big proponent. He bought Crocs in the pandemic, says he never wants to wear another type of shoes. Since Crocs began in 2002, they've sold over 720 million pairs of shoes, which makes it one of the world's 10 largest non-athletic footwear brands. Like you said, they had revenue of 641 million, up 93% in America. That was up over 136%. In Europe, it was up about 63%. And in Asia, it's up about 36%. Sandals revenue was up 60, almost 60% to represent 20% of their total footwear sales and digital sales. Like most you know, consumer companies in the past year, digital sales were up and are now about 36% of their revenue. So it's just, I think people are got, buying Crocs, they're realizing how comfortable they are, and they're sticking with Crocs. To answer your question, no, I don't own Crocs. I do, however, own Allbirds, which I believe is uh, preparing to go public at some point later this year. So, I'm I'm all in on comfortable footwear. Um, you were pointing something out this morning um, when we were chatting a little bit that surprises me a little bit, which is um, how sustainable, from an environmental standpoint, this business is and aspires to be. Yeah, I was uh, also surprised and also quite impressed by it. So they are committing to net zero emissions by 2030. By the end of 2021, Crocs will be a 100% vegan brand. 45% of the material in their shoes are recycled. 85% of all of their products last year in 2020 were sold without shoe boxes. So they're really decreasing their waste in packaging as well. Um, And so I think it's really interesting. They're talking about creating more of a closed loop system for sustainability in their supply chain. They have increased their hourly workers' wage above $15 an hour. Um, They have saved over 90,000 pairs of Crocs were saved from landfills in 2020. So they are really working towards a sustainable goal um, with their ESG metrics. So I was surprised by this and impressed by it. Yeah, because, I mean, to go back to the landfill, they they look like... Look, they they look like comfortable shoes. They also look like shoes that are going to be around in 250 years and, and won't have degraded at all. But, but clearly, that's a priority for them. Yeah. And I mean, they won't degrade. You're going to wear them until you're done wearing them. And then maybe somebody else can wear them quite easily because they won't degrade at all. So uh, an interesting potential recycling plan for them. Southwest Airlines' second quarter loss was wider than expected. Um, Shares of Southwest down a little bit today. They they do look like they are trending in the right direction. I mean, I get why the stock is down today. 
Um, but I was watching uh, Gary Kelly, the CEO on CNBC this morning, and it's just a reminder, among other things, that um, the way he and his leadership team run this business and the way Southwest has been run as an airline for decades is just different from the others. And all you have to do is just look at the balance sheet. The balance sheet of Southwest Airlines is just so much better than that of other airlines. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, people will talk about the leadership at Southwest and the way they treat their employees as just really a gold standard. But I will say that two things give me a little bit of pause when I'm thinking about uh, airplanes. So there has been an increased demand for travel. Um, things are coming back, but six, so 60% of Americans plan to travel more in 2021 than t- in 2019. And so that's important and impressive, but 69% of people say they won't really get on a plane. More people are comfortable going on a car trip or in an RV. There are more and more people saying they're going to national parks and mountains and less people saying they're going to big cities. And so that I think it's going to continue to be a trend for at least another couple of quarters. So that's something that gives me a little bit of pause. And then the other thing is that while there's an increased demand for leisure travel, there's actually a decreased demand for business travel, which Southwest talks about. And that's really profitable for a lot of airlines because traffic patterns are predictable. Uh, Those customers are generally less price sensitive and they tend to be loyal to a specific airline. And so I think that those two factors um, in that macro sense make me a little bit nervous about the airlines kind of bouncing back in the way I might think uh, an Airbnb might bounce back and in situations in how they've been affected in the next year and how fast that recovery can happen in the next year and two years. I agree with you on that. And you mentioned Southwest's reputation for how they treat their employees. Um, it is striking to me that despite that good reputation, one of the things Kelly talked about was they're having trouble hiring. The, the hiring process is taking longer than it normally does. They are getting fewer applicants than they normally do. And there are times when you look at the airline industry and planes are the problem or the cost of fuel is the problem. That's not the case with Southwest. Staffing right now is the challenge. Yeah, and they did talk a lot about that, about how as demand comes back, they're trying to reach that demand. They're trying to make sure that they are able to fly as many people as they as they need to, and they are having some problems with that. So I wonder how that's going to affect them in the next couple of quarters and how they'll be able to come back. Uh, they ended the quarter with 736 Boeing 737 aircrafts, um, and that capacity increased about 86%. Um, and so, but they still have... Uh, a good amount of aircrafts waiting to be deployed as they as they are able to. Don't you have to think that whatever they negotiated with Boeing over the last couple of years really worked out in Southwest's favor? I mean, Southwest, you think about everything that happened with the Boeing and the, the MAX plane that they had, all of those problems, and Southwest basically stood by Boeing the whole time. But I have to believe that uh, whatever deals that Gary Kelly and his team have struck over the last, let's just call it two years, have been better than they would have been otherwise. Yeah, I think that that's a fair bet. I mean, Boeing and Airbus essentially run all of the planes. So I think Boeing does still have a good amount of power in that conversation. But I would hope Southwest got a good, a good deal. If you're looking for more stock ideas and recommendations, just a reminder, you can always check out Stock Advisor. It's our flagship service. You get stock recommendations every month. 
Best Buy's now and a lot more. And you get 50% off just for being one of the dozens of listeners. Go to stockideas.fool.com. That's stockideas, all one word, .fool.com. Shares of Domino's Pizza, not surprisingly, up today, up 11%, hitting a new all-time high. Second quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected. Same store sales were up in the U.S. Never bet against pizza, Maria. That's, as always, never bet against pizza. I think you should never bet against pizza. I would say that they, I learned today that they had the grand opening of their 18,000th store in La Junta, Colorado. They grew their store count by about 5,100 stores in the past five years. So that's just the scale of Domino's is not surprising since I feel like everywhere I go, I see a Domino's and every college campus is basically giving Domino's away to get them to join any club. But like you said, their U.S. same store sales growth was uh, 3.5% and their international same store sales growth was about 14%, which marks the 110th consecutive quarter of international same store sales growth and the 41st consecutive quarter of U.S. same store sales growth. And they had the total growth um, in the store count of 238 stores in the last quarter. So Domino's is just continuing to open stores. They're continuing to be profitable, both in the U.S. In and internationally. And it doesn't seem like that's going to slow down anytime soon. Let me just hit that point one more time, because for retail, for restaurants, same store sales is one of the most important metrics an investor can look at. 10 years 10 years plus of same-store sales growth in the United States is unbelievable. Um, One other thing, I I do want to get to sort of your own personal experience with Domino's, because I am curious about this. But you mentioned the store openings, and um, one of the, you know, many exemplary things about the way this business is run is the locations that they choose for new stores. And I get that it is slightly easier for a business like Domino's as opposed to other restaurants, like sit-down restaurants, because location is important. It's just not, you don't have to nail the location because it's it's almost all of it is delivery. But still, they they do such a good job of nailing the location of where they open new stores, and they cl- they close so few. I think over the last few years, they've closed fewer than a hundred locations. Yeah, and Domino's is very very good at technology um, and making their experience really interactive. So, I mean, I think anyone who's ordered a Domino's pizza has had that experience of trying to track your order and getting that fun message. They've also done some research and working with um, figuring out autonomous driving. I think that Domino's leadership is very impressive and they have a really good uh, vision for what they need to do. And you can even trace that back to in 2010, where they basically made ads saying, our pizza was bad, but we're working to make it better. And I think that that was kind of a risky thing that they did, and it really paid off. And I think that their vision for the future is very, very uh, smart. And I'm always impressed by what they're doing. So you're in New York City. Are there a lot of Domino's in New York City? Or is the pizza environment such that Domino's can't really thrive in the same way that it does in other cities. And I don't I don't just mean like I don't want to get email from people in Chicago who are like, Oh, you're saying New York pizza's better. It's it not is. that. I'm saying that. You can email me that. <laughs> Marketfoolery at fool.com. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Send send all the email you want. Um 
No, I'm just thinking more about the, when I say the pizza environment in New York City, I think of New York City as a slice environment. It's like, I'm, it's like yeah, if you have a lot of people or you're, you're looking to feed your family, you get an entire pizza, but it's also so easy to just get a slice of pizza. So, are there a lot of domino like, just in your neighborhood, how many are there? There can't be that many. There's at least one a couple blocks from me. I walk past it all the time. And I have a pizza place across the street from me and then another pizza place two blocks up from me. So there's a lot of pizza around. But I do think, you know, there are lots of colleges in New York. And I really think that the the dominoes in colleges is just when you're doing a club meeting, when you're doing anything, it's so easy. It's so reliable. Most people will probably like it. And so there are still a lot of those kind of larger meeting places in New York. I don't know that that many businesses are getting Domino's, but I think a lot of high schools and colleges will still be Domino's is going to be their first idea of a place to get pizza for, for a while at least. And that reliability is part of their success, isn't it? Because you know there are, there are absolutely people who are pizza snobs and think, I would never eat Papa John's or Domino's or, or anything like that. But I remember years ago, Matt Copenheffer being on this podcast, and I was asking him, because he's, he's, he's a serious runner. Like, I run in air quotes, I, but Matt is someone who does marathons in under three hours and that sort of thing. And I remember asking him on the podcast one time, hey, what do you, you know, when you want to treat yourself after a big race, what do you do? And he said, oh, I get Domino's. I was like, really? And he said, you always know what you're getting with Domino's. You always you know what you're going to get. And you do internationally as well. Like I said, that there's so much growth internationally, but I studied abroad in Australia and there was the same exact thing, which was kind of funny that things are the same, but also uh, so different, different places. But every time we went to a club meeting, there was Domino's pizza and it was just good. It was just fine pizza. And I, I ate it. And I enjoyed it moderately, which is what I usually feel when I have Domino's, but I'm never that upset about it. Maria Gallagher, always great talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Monday.